Meditation, Not Medicine, with Adam Weber, episode 134 on Alternative Health Tools podcast, where together we discover and share new alternative health tools and resources from alternative healthcare practitioners and experts. everybody. Welcome to Alternative Health Tools. This is your co-host, Kim Shea. I'm coming to you from this side of the pond here in Southern California. It is Wednesday, March 17th, 2021. And today I have the honor of speaking with Adam Weber. He's the no BS common sense speaker, an author and product creator, and the specialist and owner of Weber Real Estate Advisors and Weber Advisory Group. He also has a coaching program called Easy to Meditate, a technique that he's developed. And he has a podcast called Meditation, Not Medicine. And he also is the author of a book called Meditation, Not Medicine. So Adam, thank you so much for joining me. I'm very anxious to hear your story and what you can share with us. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. So if you wouldn't mind um, telling me your, your background, like where you're from and uh, and how you got to uh, where you needed to design all this stuff in the first place. Yeah, well, I, I grew up on, on Long Island um, on the East Coast here, went to college in the Midwest and was always very active. And then I came home back to New York, stayed in Ohio for a few years, but I came back to New York, worked in corporate real estate in uh, one of the big commercial real estate uh, giants, Cushman and Wakefield for many years. And um, had a career with them as a real estate appraiser and also uh, with another firm. And then what happened was um, I decided I'm in my 50s now and I decided it was time to go out on my own. Um, But before that, it was getting tougher to do the commute. And and I'd been looking to find out why, why physically, because I was always in good shape, always work out and eat well. It took a number of years and a lot of tests until uh, we went through a number. I had knee surgery. I had all sorts of different treatments. A doctor from Johns Hopkins telling me I was just getting old. But at that time, I was um, just 40 years old. So, yeah, I'll be 52 soon. So that that tells you, that gives you, and I had been suffering before that for a few years. And then I had back surgery and... um, only for them to find out during the surgery, they found some things that they weren't thrilled with, did some tests to find out that um, I have progressive form of multiple sclerosis. It might have been because multiple sclerosis can evolve a little bit, um, meaning it's not primary progressive. It could be a secondary progressive. And then as it goes along, it becomes. So they weren't sure that I had that the whole time, but they're sure I have it now. Because I go to Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City, immediately they started a very aggressive treatment with uh, a drug that was part of an FDA trial um, because I was young enough and I was strong enough at the time to withstand it. Turns out it's the most effective drug on the market for multiple sclerosis, Ocrevus. They're now actually commercials for it. Kind of become one of those poster boys for how it can help. I should have been a lot worse than I am now, but I'm not. But it's not about the disease as much as when you see yourself being an athlete, being strong and raising a family, 
working, you know, I used to commute to New York City, I used to commute to New Jersey, I used to commute to Pennsylvania, wherever I needed to go. I even came out to California periodically. And, uh, but things got more difficult and it got more stressful. And my wife and I have a very strong relationship. So I've always known I've been able to count on her if I wasn't feeling up because we have two sons. One, it's like many couples, one pick up where the other couldn't do things like that. So at the beginning, I knew I needed to find a way to address the stress, as I say. And I, I didn't want to take medications. As a son of a doctor, I was raised with the one-size-fits-all take-a-pill approach, which I'm not a fan of because it only hurts you more to take more and more pills. They're very toxic. There's the term meditation, not medicine. I started meditating to address the stress. I actually took the pills. The doctors would get them. Uh, would prescribe them. We would pick them up at a local drugstore, CVS or something like that. And I would say, okay, well, I'm going to listen to the doctors. I take it for a day. Then I throw it out because I I would actually, the last time I did it, I flushed them down the toilet because I knew there was no way I was going to go dig them out of the garbage if I thought, well, maybe I changed my mind. Well, my doctors weren't thrilled with that approach. They understood that I wanted to take a more holistic approach, that there were going to be some medications I needed one way or another, but that I was not going to just be the guy that you give a, again, that give a pill to. So meditation became a more important part of my life. It was already becoming important, but then it became more important because instead of just meditating a little bit in the morning for 20 minutes, a half hour, it became a... Let's meditate for, you know, twice a day. And then I started with, you know, well, again, I'm in the corporate world at first and I could be out in my car or my truck if I was in in, uh, New Jersey or Pennsylvania or something like that. Not necessarily in New York. You could use a spare office. And just to decompress and to do a short meditation that I refer to as the timeout meditation. And um, so, no, it was important to um, find a way to address the stress without the drugs. Again, meditation, not medicine. It's been a huge part of my life. Got to the point where people were seeing a difference in me and that I, I don't want to say evolved, but that I wasn't the same person. They wanted to know what I was doing. And then when I started teaching it, people were seeing benefits. And so I just kept teaching. And then we had the pandemic. And things shut down. So rather than being able to do things in person, I started doing them online, created a course, and um, also was working on the book. It wasn't. It was actually called originally Easy to Meditate After the Technique. And just in speaking with different people, they said, you know, Adam, but you're such an anti-med guy. Because, I, again, I take certain medications. But I'm just not a fan of them. That's that's how the book came to be. Tested the name with people, and it's been a great name. Well, it's pretty clear what you're talking about, which is which yes, is ma'am. nice. So um, I think you mentioned in the book. First of all, I have to say I loved your dedication. I thought it was so sweet, where you're just basically thanking people for taking the time to read your book, dedicate it to you. I like that you dedicate it to you, to whoever's reading it. I thought that was really a really lovely dedication that you wrote there. And thank you for writing the book because 
that's just as valuable. And if someone's reading it, it's because they need to hear what you have to say. So that was really great. So it's all different kinds of meditation. You you touch on that briefly in your book. And um, so did did you try focused meditation and transcendental did, or just mindfulness? What was your... The, no, I, I, I tried to be very mindful in general. I still do. But I did try many of the different meditation types, uh, whether it be the stuff through uh, Dr. Chopra or David G. Or uh, I did uh, work in, uh, with people at Transcendental and, and learn that technique. Um, that technique is probably the closest to what I do, although not exact. And um, I just found that you know I needed to find something that would work for me and that I could teach to other people. And I also found I'm a kid, for, a business guy from New York. And one of the things about meditation, people would say, well, you don't have to do this or that, do you? And I'd say, no, there's no chanting involved. So there are mantras if you want to use one. But with my technique, you don't have to use one. You could just use a breathing technique and focus. And it's really a, an approach that allows you to think outside the box, and not just follow one set of rules. Because I found that with TM, with Transcendental Meditation. And then when I went through the final part with, of TM, um, where they were burning some things and shaking some things. And I thought, wow, that's definitely not me. Now, it's for some people. Don't get me wrong. There are plenty of people who, and I, and I say my technique, but it was. I think part of it is the rituals behind meditation. And so you were not looking for rituals or you were? I know I'm not, I'm not a ritualistic. Okay. I was raised a uh, fairly uh, religious Jewish on Long Island and went to uh, parochial school and spent a lot of time uh, in synagogue and, and, and celebrating. And for me, I think as I got older, it just was less appealing to me. So a lot of the, I, I wanted to think a little bit outside the box and, uh, not have to follow such a rigid set of rules. And what I found when I was studying the different types of meditation was that there's rules in place. And not that I'm a rule breaker or likes to think outside, you know, but it was just about, again, what if I'm meditating in the middle of the day? What if I happen to be on a train? I, you know, where I live, we are big on trains, uh, whether it be on Long Island or here in Westchester County being in the corporate world and what if I got on a plane or something like that? And I also don't, I'm not comfortable because of my multiple sclerosis sitting down a certain way on the floor or doing things a certain way. I tried practicing walking meditation once when I was learning different types that didn't work out so well because I don't walk very well. I walk with braces on my legs. So those were the kind of things where I said, I really have to find something that I can use and, and um, I guess you would say it's kind of a combination of all the other different types, which you can only, med I think you can only meditate so many ways. The only rule I have is not meditating as you're laying in bed, ready to go to sleep because the, the meditation is not designed to put you to sleep. Some people do use it for that. Um, it helps them just quiet down, I think is more than anything, but wasn't, wasn't for me. So, yeah. Okay. So what have you seen with meditating? You said people said you look great, but like, have, have you noticed with numbers? Are there, you know, indicators that you could say that you saw improvements well, in? 
without a doubt, without okay. a doubt. Well, in my physical health, um, there was definitely an improvement. Those were that was noted by my doctors at Mount Sinai. Wow, that's great. And I think part of it is when you treat your body right, because meditation affects the gray matter in your brain and other parts of your body too, your nerves, that there is an actual physical part that changes. That maybe, again, where before I was having more difficult time walking, I'm a little bit more relaxed. Um, my thinking is a lot clearer. My ability to communicate with people. I do public speaking. Or I did before the, the, uh, the, the lockdown. Now everything is via Zoom or something like that. It, it's, it, it's allowed me to live a better quality life. It's my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my two sons, with friends is a lot better. You know, I saw there were a lot of people that were really, have been really stressed out during the um, pandemic, during the lockdown, including my older son, who was, you know, temporarily seeing a therapist. Um, yeah, it's hard. You know, it was just stressful not being able to see friends. He was, he's athletic, not being able, this is going to be the, he's, he hasn't played baseball in two years, you know, um, with his friends and things like that. So it's, you know, teaching him some exercises and things he could do, the breathing and closing your eyes, even for a short period of time and focusing on it. He said he likes it and that he feels better. And if your 10 year old son can feel better, I mean, there's no better there's nothing better I can get out of it than that. Um, because the kids, is, or as I, in my next book, I, it's called the Ch Our Children Are Not All Right. Unfortunately, that wasn't a book I think anybody wants to write or a, a topic anybody wants to address. But the pandemic has done a lot to us. And my wife is a uh, highly trained, uh, Ivy League educated uh, special education teacher. And... Um, I, I say I, I've unfortunately been part of some of the conversations of what's been going on with kids and teens and, you know, kids who have committed suicide or have just been damaged for good because of this, this pandemic. And I think to myself, if there was a way that the kids had a way of dealing with their stress, way of dealing with their anxiety, they'd be much better off. And it's, it's a lot healthier. And again, we don't need to feed our kids the drugs, they're toxic. Yeah, I, I agree. I've got four sons myself, and so I know three of them, I've been able to get them to to venture into this. It's not easy to get kids motivated to do it because it's different and it sounds strange, but the benefits are really clear and, and they've all benefited from it. And one, I'm encouraging him to work on it right now. So I think that's wonderful that you've taught your son. That's really a success story right there, that you can get a child to do it. It's a big deal for them because it's so different. It's something I think more than anything now needs mm -hmm. to be in the classroom, especially as kids go back. Their finding was just reported the other day that maybe six feet isn't yeah. okay. They can go three feet. Well, some kids are going to have anxiety because for the last year, they've been hearing, they've been hearing, you got to be six feet away from everybody. You got to wear a mask, which you should wear a mask. Don't take me the wrong way. You got to wear a mask. You got to do what they tell you to do. But in, in seeing like my mother, she's their grandmother. She was here. It's weird to see her sitting across the room with a mask on. Can't hug her own grandsons. They weren't able, you know, they, they saw their friends. 
my kids are friends with their friends. They, you know, they've given their friends hugs. They, they're they're young kids. They sometimes they run into each other. They touch each other. Not you know, and they can't. They're being forced to be at a distance from each other, and that's for kids, young kids. That's that's really hard. Yeah, it is. So I think it's great that you're able to help your sons with what you found works. Yeah, and, and it, yes, ma'am. And I feel it's something I never thought when I got into this as a meditator that I would be teaching it at some point or being such an evangelist for it because. You know, we the last few years in particular have been a little bit crazy, a lot crazy. But um, the last year in particular, with, with everything else and the pandemic, have been super crazy. And if people had a way to address their stress, to get up every day, to start their day right, they would be doing a lot better. I think we'd be doing a lot better as a country. I think we'd be doing a lot better as a world if people knew how to address their stress versus you know, I, I don't, I, except for sports, um, for the most part, I really don't want, and what my wife wants me to watch with her, I really don't watch TV anymore because it's such a toxic environment, but it shouldn't be that way. I understand people have different beliefs on different sides of the aisle. It's like that within families, but you know, it's like when you get together at Thanksgiving, you put everything aside, but over the last few years, we weren't able to do that. And during the pandemic, we weren't able to do that because we were demonizing people the closest to us because we have one person had one opinion. The other person had another opinion. Wear a mask, not wear a mask. We should all wear a mask, but you, you, I think you understand what I'm trying to say. One, you know, wear a mask, not wear a mask, stay six feet, stay 10 feet. Don't go to certain stores. I mean, personally, because of my MS, I haven't been in a grocery store in about a year now. I Whole Foods delivers to my house. And my wife occasionally goes to pick up a few things, but it's actually kind of revealed that there's a better way. <laughs> you get what you want, really just going on Amazon.com and ordering yeah. Whole Foods. Comes right to your door. Yeah. Comes right to your door. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice feature. So, and you do have to protect your health. That's 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 the issue, you know, it's the parents, we have to protect our health. Too, so yeah, and, and the delivery world has really changed everything. Whether it be a, a retailer like an Amazon, or we order things from other suppliers as well, and that get delivered. Whether it be like a Staples or an Office Max, or my or my office, I, I continue to operate my businesses um, during the pandemic. I just everything is here. Yeah. I mean, I happen to be at home now versus my. I have a small office that I keep. But uh, it's a little bit later in New York, so I, I happen to be sitting at a desk at home. And that's, that way I could, it made me realize how, and I know a lot of people, how, you know, spend time with your kids. Want to reduce your stress? Spend time with the ones you love. Watch your kids grow up and smile, or your friends smile, or things like that. I mean, I have six nieces. I have not seen a single one in, in since what's well, two th since 2019. Wow. That's tough. It is because they're, you know, they're my they're my yeah. my family. And my my sons haven't been able to interact and um the 
My mother hasn't seen her granddaughters. It happens to be there's only granddaughters except for my sons. So the 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 mother the grandparents have not seen their yeah. grandchildren, except from a distance. Like stand twenty feet away. They did. We drove down to Pennsylvania once, and we you have to stand far yeah. away. Yeah, it's a really it's a tough situation. We're trying to protect everybody so that we can get to the next phase when we're moving out of this, and everyone will still be there, still be alive after all this. So it's hard. Yep, it's hard. Yeah. And, you know, fortunately, I've, I've had the, for, you know, I, outside of my treatment, I've got my first vaccine. I get my other one another week. Right. I hope everybody else does too. It's, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not preaching anything. I just know that, you know, if we want to get out of this, we have to act in a, in a community or collective type manner and say, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. But again, I also... I, I'm I've pretty much been hiding out for the last yeah, year. But you have to. Because I, I'm I'm autoimmune compromised. Yes. So my doctors were telling me just be really careful with what you do. Yeah, you you're right. That that's what you have to do. But going forward, we have to be focused on what's best for the community in order to build ourselves back up again and build our country back up again and our world and and so has the meditation been beneficial to you? just in terms of the pandemic, not so much your illness, but just in terms of pandemic stress? More so than I think at mm. any time, because it's when what I've compared it to is a tsunami. As far as it's just a, a big rush, it's like a giant wall of water that right comes down on top of you and it overwhelms you. Yeah. And it affects you physically. It affects you emotionally. It affects everything from your sleep to just, you know, I remember going out to my car hoping, did I not, I hope I don't see any of the neighbors because then you might have to get too close to them and talk to them and say, hey, how you doing? Not not that I, I want, I wish that they were right, but the pandemic has caused a lot more stress. It's turned the volume up on it, as I say. And the work environment, again, not being able to go out, not being able to visit clients and the financial aspects. I had two clients of mine in the real estate world that went out of business because they couldn't operate. So it's become a tough place to be. Uh, The stress levels are at an all-time high. Um, I'm very active in the stress community, if you want to call it that, you know, with um, the doctors and... uh, therapist and again because I play I play as I say an alternative role while some doctors are more open to meditation like the doctors I have at Mount Sinai there are some doctors like my father would never have said it was okay he wouldn't have said it was bad for you but he would have said nah take this he would have given me a bottle a pill and said take this got a prescription and um I just I I don't think we can keep feeding ourselves pills. And I've never really been somebody who drank. So I I was looking for an outlet. But meditation, it's a game changer. And if people don't meditate, they should try it. Because it's until you do it. Look, I was the, the corporate guy. And I was the no-woo-woo guy. And then look, boom. Yeah, so let's talk about that because we're talking about trying it. And I think you bring this up in your book. And I did I did read your whole book, by the way. It was great. Is that it's hard to get started. 
for some people, or they'll they'll try it and they feel like they're failing at it. They can't concentrate. They fall asleep, and they get frustrated with it and they give up because they feel like something's supposed to happen and it's not happening. And and so, what is your advice for people when they're just trying to start meditating? And how do you, you, how do you go forward? You just said it really. Hey, you just said it really, really well. They're expecting something to happen, almost like a. Um, because I, I had had one person tell me it was kind of like a, you should be like as a hypnotic state. And I said, no, not necessarily a hypnotic state. But people give up too easily. It's a matter of coming back to the practice every day and spending a little time and doing it every day. Even if you say, well, you know what? I don't have time to meditate for 20 minutes or a half hour. We can only spend 10 minutes today or five minutes. Then just do that. And there's the compound effects of meditation. They come with you, um, and they just they grow. It grows on you. I found personally, after a few months of meditating, that I mean, it's been. I know there was one day where I was in a hospital, and I was kind of in and out, so I I don't remember meditating that day. And I was told I was in and out, but other than that, I meditate every day, and I always take the time. Uh, to make sure you, I, to me, it's, I don't start my day off right. And I'm a believer that if you want to start your day off right, especially in the world we're living in now, uh, the post COVID world, if it's post at this point, that you need to find a way to address your stress. If you're a parent, there's stressors that come with it. If you're in the corporate world or not corporate world, there's stress, but it doesn't matter whether you're a corporate executive or a florist, there are stressors. They're different, but there are stressors. If you're an athlete, there are stressors. So it's a matter of just taking a seat and trying it and then coming back to it every day when you say, well, I don't have time or I didn't, maybe yesterday's meditation wasn't as good. Sit down and do it again. Because I found, I've asked people, you know, well, yesterday wasn't good. The day before wasn't good. But how was today? You know what? Today was a good meditation. It was quiet. It was... It just, everything was quiet and gentle. And that's, that's what we need. We don't need to live such a triggered life. We need to live a life that the little things don't get to you. I mean, thing, look, it doesn't eliminate all stress from your life. In fact, it helps you address your stress, as I say. And it doesn't stop all problems, but it's something that has to be addressed. Yeah, I think it's very beneficial. And I know when I first started, I had a hard time and I would beat myself up because my mind was wandering and I would think, oh, I can't do this. But then once I learned how to do it, it's something I really look forward to that time every day. I mean, it's just something, it's just as exciting as anything else in the day. I get so happy when I get to do it. And I do find it helps me when I have problems like waiting in line at the bank and I'm so frustrated, then I can use some of the mindfulness techniques to just really observe note, move on and not stay focused on it. But so how do you teach people? What? So you said you're teaching people in person and now you're doing it online. So how do you do that? How do you get people to understand? Well, you, you know, I try to get them to just relax and be a little more accepting. Um, recently, I've gotten a few emails, people telling me, well, I can't do it. I can't slow down. I can't stop. You can. It's also learning how to breathe and how to focus on what you're doing. And yes, we everybody who meditates at one time or another gets monkey mind. 
where the mind feels like it's it's all over the place. But you know what? You take the time to slow down. You take the time to relax. You take time to close your eyes. And it, it, it takes a little bit of practice. I teach people what we do is we'll go through it together. You know, when you're in a supportive, that was one thing about meditation, not medicine, was creating a community where people could come back to, where people could ask questions, where people could address their concerns, because there's nothing with meditation that's going to hurt you. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, there really isn't. Again, I'm not a proponent of the walking meditations. I think that is the one thing that, again, walking mindfully is one thing, but a walking meditation to me just doesn't sit well with me. Um, especially if you become too relaxed and you almost zone out a little bit, um, because that's part of what happens when you start and you develop your practice. It's not that as much as you're zoned out, it's just that you're focused on relaxing. You're focused on being still as opposed to moving. And that's tough for so many people these days, especially again, the people I work with in the corporate world, whether it be the guys at the banks or at the big real estate companies, it's a they don't know how to slow down. I didn't know how to slow down for years myself, especially when I was much younger. I wasn't married, didn't have kids, and I was trying to get to a certain level on the ladder, on the corporate ladder. And the only way you did that was just by working constantly. By They say, get on a plane, get on a plane. They say, get in your car, get in the car. I, you know, go to this... I wish I had known how to meditate before I went to some of the neighborhoods I went to. It would have been a lot less stressful. New York, like a lot of other places in the country, there's there are a lot of neighborhoods in, uh, that are not so good. But that was part of the job. It was part of me earning my stripes. And meditation is, is a, a big game changer, but it's a matter of just bringing yourself back, breathing, focusing, and just letting the stress go. Let it evaporate. Use your breathing, use your focus, use being still to your advantage. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I want to ask you, there's a book and a, a guy named Dan Harris who wrote a book called 10% Happier. And do you agree that it, because it doesn't solve everything, as you're saying, that it takes takes the edge off and just makes things Oh, I, that's one thing I say. Yeah, no. Yeah, yes, ma'am. That's one thing I say is it cuts the, it takes the edge off. I'm familiar with Dan Harris. I believe he was a TV reporter is, or yeah. something here in New York. Yeah. Yeah, still, is he? Still in New York. And I know of the book and I've, I've listened to, to him on some interviews. It's just like there, there are people in the corporate world. There's um, the guy from Bridgewater Capital, one of these, one of the billionaires um, who studied TM as well. Um, but there's, it, it, if, if, if you only get like 10%, if he's trying to say he's only, he's, you know, he's 10% happier, well, 10% happier is better than 0% happier or 1% or 2% happier. And again, I'm a believer in the compound effect. The thought of when you do something, the benefits, they keep accumulating. So, you know, one day it might be 10%, might be one day it might be 50%. Uh, depends on the situation, but I agree with him. I think you know if you if you can be happier, if you can be, if you can slow down, and you could be a little more still. You're in a great place, and uh, health health wise, 
I know doctors think they tell you slow down. I know for years they told me that slow down, slow down, slow down. Well, I found a way to slow down. That's great. I think that's great. I think it's so neat that you're doing that. And um, I wish I'd known about it a long time ago myself. It's something that's newer for me. And I, I think it's wonderful. You're having such great success with it. Do you teach privately or do you teach a group when you say you're building some community? I've been doing more group um, because it's, it's, it's easier to get people to come online and feel the support. I have worked with some people individually. You know, it's, it's a matter of scheduling. It's a matter of getting a group together. It's like they, they, turn, they use the term herding the cats, um, trying to get everybody to come together scheduling a time and getting, you know, getting there together. Yes. But, uh, I do work with people individually. I, I work with people in groups and, um, actually I'm looking forward to now that the kids going back to school, having the opportunity to get into some of the schools, even if it is, but remotely, because like I said, our children are not all right. And this, this pandemic has really exposed where we are as a people and as a society and where our kids are. And I have an aunt that's in a senior center and she's been there um, through the entire pandemic lockdown. And because of in New York, you know, you have a lot of, well, going into it, there were a lot of bad things that happened. And as soon as that happened, a lot of people really shut down, locked their doors, didn't want to see anybody. Didn't want, you know, they would talk to people remotely. So it's a matter of getting out and seeing these people and helping them and working with them. It's something that's important to me. And I know it's, you know, if it can help somebody else, it's um, a benefit. And if it's something that I can utilize as, you know, part of my career, love to do it. I, I didn't write the book because it made me feel good. The idea with writing the book was to help others and to give back. Um so many have helped me over the years. And when your doctors say, this is great, you're helping people with it and others, and you get to ha I have the opportunity to come speak to people like yourself on a podcast and, or in a, in a radio interview or TV interview, I found the more people that find out about this, I think the, the pandemic has exposed the need for something, something different, an alternative approach. Yeah, I think there's a lot of good things that will come out of this pandemic when we look back, as as they say, hindsight is twenty twenty, and and literally that's what a lot of us are discovering right now. Which is it's nice. It's nice to have some silver linings to what's been a really really rough year. And I just admire so much what you're doing and that you've you've turned the corner a little bit in terms of you're still doing your your business you know, your day job, essentially, but you're also doing this and trying to better the experience for everybody so that other people can deal with their stresses. It might not be MS, but it might be any number of things that they're facing and from any age that you can help people. I've worked with people with cancer, people with uh, ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, people just with diabetes. I mean, it's a matter of, like I'd like to tell people, turning the volume down because when you could turn the stress volume down, your body functions much better. You live a better life. Um, you take a holistic approach. And, and working with your mind is so important. Well, you know, you're not raised. Hey, let, most people aren't. I know I've heard of a few people who are raised learning to meditate, but I was never raised learning to meditate. I, don't, I know of probably two people who were. Uh, but they didn't, 
get to do it until they were in their teens, not as even younger children. But it's, it's a skill that is needed. And it's a skill that's easy to learn. And, you know, once you learn it, if you have to pay to learn it, it you only have to pay once. You don't have to. I mean, if you want that, like I said, I work with coaching because I have people, I think, who like the community aspect of it, like the idea of having a supportive community. But at the same time, there are people, once they learn it, you don't need to keep doing that. Sorry, I agree. It's a skill set. And I'm raising a grandson and he's two, almost two. And so I'm trying to work with him right now to get him into a spiritual mindset. And I just think what an opportunity to have that training from the time you're young so that you have that with you as a life skill. It's, it's a wonderful thing. And I think that's amazing that you're doing that. And, and you have a podcast called Meditation, Not Medicine. Your website is called meditationnotmedicine.com so people can find you there. And it's, it's about being able to reach more people because okay. I can't be, you know, we have what, 330 million people in this country. Yeah. I'm not going to reach everybody. And I, the idea, I'm, not, I'm never going to be reaching anybody because there's different methods. But the idea is to help as many people as I can. Um, I'm, I'm at a time in my life where things are different. If I was, you know, my 20s, I probably wouldn't, I might not be doing it this way. I doubt I would, knowing Adam in his 20s. But I'm not. That's, th- that's 30 years, you know, ago. And I think when we look back and we see things like MS, other surgeries, raising two sons who've had these problems and all these other people who've had problems. I mean, you can't, the reason I can't watch the news is because you can't turn it on and find anything good happening. Yeah. So you said, you said your father and so you're, you're doing this for your kids and you're trying to do this for other people and you're trying to, change how you approach the world where you're shutting out a lot of the negative and focusing on what you can do and what you have control over. Do you feel like this is part of your life's purpose? You feel this is a very purposeful part of your journey? I appreciate you asking that because, yeah, I have actually started to feel that way in the last year. And because before it was a way of utilizing the skill and helping others. But then when I found the need and I really, before the book came out, and talking to people and just sitting back and watching what I had done and that I wanted to continue writing. I wanted to continue making videos. I said, you know what? When you get up excited to make a video about meditation mm-hmm. or to teach it, yeah, it's part of your purpose. Yeah, <laughs> It's part of your purpose. It's a part of way of uh, serving, which is important to me. That was the way I was raised. Whether I agreed with my dad's drug approach or not, it, I was great, uh, raised with a, a, a to live uh, with a certain set of service, you know, to others. That's the most beautiful way to live, isn't it? It's a great way to live. It really is um, because, you know, you're never going to be able to help everybody. But if you can help a few people, and I think once, you know, you get a little older, like I am, and you say to yourself, I get it. You you may not get it when you're in your teens. You may not get it when you're in your 20s. You may, but I think what... what happens too is you start to when people help you and then you help them back and you're helping people never expecting anything in return. A lot of these people that I work with years from now will forget who I am. Hopefully not, but they will. Hopefully they. What's important though is they take what I teach them with them, and the way I help serve them. That's what's important. I don't care if they remember my name or what my face looks like or anything like that. 
and um, just go from there. I think most people remember their spiritual teachers. They're some of the most impactful people in the world. So I don't think people will forget you. Do you have a, a social media that you do with this particular? Um, yeah, no, I encourage people. I have a, an active group um, called, Med, you know, the Meditation Not Medicine. I have a page, but I encourage people to join the group on Facebook um, because it's where there's more. I'll I'll also use StreamYard or other the tools to go in sometimes, post a lot of videos. I'm a, Okay. I use a virtual assistant and she's encouraged me. She introduced me to something called Pinterest. I, I thought I'd heard about it, but mm-hmm. really didn't, didn't know much about it. And then Instagram. I mean, I'm a, like, I'm a guy in my fifties who I'd rather watch a, a football game or a basketball game than and hang out on social media. But one thing I learned during the pandemic was having a virtual assistant's great because you don't need to have an office with them. Um, but yeah, being on the right channels, people who have an alternative view and my virtual assistant happens to be a woman, a lady, and she teaches me things that I didn't know about when I said to her, Pinterest, she's like, she, well, she said to me, Pinterest. I was like, what? She's like, you don't know about that. I'm like, I'd heard about it, but I've never been there. She's like, it's not, it's, it's a, it just go sign up. I'll take care of everything else. And then the others. And it's, so I'm all over the place. I'm on LinkedIn because, um, again, I come from the corporate world and, um, it's just right now it's a matter of helping as many people as possible. Cause I think coming out of the pandemic can, might be even more stressful than being in it at some point, because we're learning to readjust and people who said, you know what, for the last year, I like not having to go to the city. I like not having to get on a plane. Mm-hmm. They're saying people, some people won't get, want to get on planes who's traveled all the time. Like my brother-in-law won't want to get on planes until 2000, not even 2022, 2023 or 2024. And uh, people are going to be nervous. So uh, we're all over. We want, I want to provide as much support as possible. Um, I'll just out of nowhere, go on and do a live training on a Facebook live or through StreamYard so I can go to different platforms and um, I'm on YouTube so people can find out plenty about uh, learning to meditate and helping it become part of Okay, that's great. Well, look for me. I'll be finding you. I'm going to start following you. So thank you for your time, Adam. This has been Adam Weber. You can find him in a number of different places, whatever you're most comfortable with, whether it's Facebook or YouTube or um, reading his book or listening to his podcast. So I just want to thank you so much for your time. I think you're making a huge impact in the world and I wish you all the best. Blessings to you. Thank you. I'm grateful to be happy. Thank you for those of you who've been listening today. You can catch this podcast, Alternative Health Tools, anywhere you get your podcasts. Please consider coming by alternativehealthtools.com and leave us an audio message. There's a little blue circle on the page with a little microphone in it. Just press that and ask us a question, give us some feedback, or say hi.